Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. Deuteronomy, or the re-speaking of the law, has a long portion containing many of the detailed statutes and ordinances that supplemented the basic Ten Commandments. Among these were stringent prohibitions against mixture. For example... A woman was not to wear a man's clothing, and vice versa. Also, an ox was not to be yoked with a donkey to plow a field. These statutes even went so far as to prohibit the wearing of wool and cotton at the same time. Well, what does all of this have to do with us as New Testament believers? Outwardly, of course, we're not under these same restrictions. But there is an inward and intrinsic principle which does have real application for us as New Testament believers, as we will see in today's life study of Deuteronomy. Ed Marks has joined us for our fellowship today. Ed, it's uh, wonderful to have you back. It's been a long time, and I'm very happy you could join us again. Well, Chris, I'm happy to be back for this program. And Chris, like you said, uh, I think what we'll see in this program and what we need to be impressed with is that the Lord hates mixture. He wants us to be pure. Uh-huh. You know, even if you look in Matthew 5, 8, the Lord says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Of course, there, to be pure in heart means the Lord Jesus himself, he should be our only goal. He should be our only desire. He should be our only aim. He wants us to be pure. He wants us to contain him and express him purely. You know, if you look at the end, toward the end of the Bible in Revelation 17, there's a picture mm. of the great Babylon which describes a religious system of hypocrisy and mixture. Even this great religious system is pictured as a woman holding a golden cup in her hand, but that cup is full of abominations. Mm. So outwardly, it looks nice, but inwardly, it's full of evil things. And the Lord hates this. He hates mixture. Even when he spoke to the Pharisees many times, this is what he hated the most, was mixture and hypocrisy. So this is what we're going to see on this program. Ed, you touched on something. I think it would be good to just spend just a second on this word purity or to be pure. In the context of the Bible, really, oftentimes we tend to lump a lot of these words together, pure, holy. Uh, But there is a specific meaning, and it means, as you just said, no mixture, something uh, single in content. Well, again, coming back to Revelation 17, this woman who the Bible calls a harlot. Uh Uh-huh. Again, a religious system that has an appearance of being for God, but isn't really for God. It says she's gilded with gold and precious stones. What that means is she has a a gilding of God. She has an outward appearance of being godly, a form of godliness, but not the inward reality. We don't want to just be gilded with the Lord. We want God, the Lord Jesus, as the real gold 
to be our solid, pure substance. Mm. So there's only two things in the universe that are pure, really. The Lord Jesus himself, he's pure, and his word is pure. If you look in Psalm 12, verse 6, it says his word is like silver uh, purified in a furnace of earth seven times. His word is very pure. So if we want to be pure, we need to be filled with the Lord and filled with his word. Well, let's turn to our message today. Uh, It is dealing very much with this matter of mixture. And as these outward regulations and prohibitions that uh, Moses was giving to Israel don't apply to us, certainly the principle here is critically important for us as believers so that our outcome would not be as the woman in Revelation 17, but would be something pure that God would take to himself. But uh, it's in looking at these details, and as we've gone through Deuteronomy and seeing many of these statutes and ordinances, the details really reveal uh, God's heart, his intent, and his pleasure for us, his people. So we encourage our listeners not to get hung up on the details as how they might apply, but to really see this overriding principle that is so important to us. Yeah, and and Chris, let me just add something here. These laws reveal the lawgiver. When you make a law, Whoever makes that law, it shows the kind of person the lawgiver is. So all these statutes show us God's ways, God's character, God's attributes, God's person. Mm. And when we live God out, when we live Christ, this is the expression of the life that we live and the intrinsic essence of these ordinances. Well, we referred to a couple of these uh, details in our opening today. Let's look at these verses in Deuteronomy 22. It says, A woman shall not put on a man's belongings, nor shall a man wear a woman's garment. For every one who does these things is an abomination to Jehovah your God. You shall not wear clothing of mixed materials of wool and linen together. Let's see how this applies, Ed. Here's Witness Lee. Now, concerning mixtures of any kind, a woman was not to put on a man's belonging, nor was a man to wear a woman's garment. For everyone who did these things was not a small thing, not a light thing, was an abomination to Jehovah their God. You see, don't cut your hair too short, sisters. If you cut your hair too short, it's hard for people to discern whether you are a sister or a brother. And brothers, don't keep your hair too long. See, if you keep your hair too long, you make yourself a, a female. Sister, it is better to avoid to wear the pants. I may have offended you, but that was not my word. I'm not responsible for that. If you were brave, you go to brave Moses. <laughs> if you read Genesis 3 carefully, to put on clothing. First purpose is not to protect you from cold. The first purpose to put on clothing is to cover our nakedness. To be naked is a shame. It's not a beauty. So, especially the ladies, you have to cover your body as much as you can. To be naked in the eyes of others is a shame. Learn to cover as much as you can. Don't make your clothing so narrow, so tight. It is not just to cover the skin of your body, but also the shape of your body. When you wear clothings too tight, the shape is exposed. There's also a kind of nakedness. That's a shame, right? I'm not too much. We are God's people. 
we should bear a testimony. Even in our closing, we bear a testimony without a voice. But it speaks more than the voice. So what? So we all have to learn. Do this as much as you can. Yet I was struck again listening to his speaking here. We've had several programs of late that was expressing a deep burden that he had, especially related to this matter of morality and the damage that had been really uh, inflicted upon this society, this country, and especially the young generation by disregarding any of these restraints. And it affects even many Christian families today. This is another one of those speakings that's in this vein, isn't it? Yes, Chris. And, you know, Moses, of course, mentions this in Deuteronomy, but in the New Testament, Paul also talks about this matter of clothing. And I would just like to read these verses. This is 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10. He says, The women should adorn themselves in proper clothing, with modesty and sobriety, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly clothing, but what befits women professing godly reverence, by good works. Uh-huh. You see, so even Paul mentions this. So, Chris, and we've experienced this when we got saved, we began to love the Lord, we began to fellowship with other believers and pursue the Lord. The Lord enlightened us even concerning our dress. We don't have a dress code per se in the Christian life, but we have an inward peace. Yes. What's proper? And what's godly? What expresses Christ from within? When we love the Lord and we contact him. You know, and even uh, Chris is very serious about, you know, a man not wearing woman's clothes, a woman not wearing man's clothes. You know, this also intrinsically talks about even the sin of homosexuality, which tragically today, you know, people are trying to promote this as an alternative lifestyle. Well, this is not an alternative lifestyle. This is sin. Yes. And the Bible is very clear about this. I mean, Romans 1, if our listeners want to look at verses 25 through 27, it shows that when you go this far, you've given up God. But you can turn. Even Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, and he said, such were some of you. Right. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the Lord's name and in the Spirit. So, see, even we have to be careful in our clothing. We have to be so godly and sanctified. And, Chris, I would just like to mention this intrinsically. When we touch the Lord and we allow him to live through us, he is our clothing. You know, in Philippians 3, 9, it talks about Christ as our righteousness. Well, objectively, he's our righteousness. But when we live him out, he becomes our subjective righteousness. In Revelation 3, 18, John tells the church in Laodicea, you know, the Lord is speaking through him, I counsel you to buy from me white garments that you might be clothed and the shame of your nakedness wouldn't be manifested. Well, those white garments are actually Christ himself lived out of us to be our righteousness and to clothe us. Actually, if Christ isn't lived out of us and we're not clothed with him, we're not expressing him, in God's eyes, we're naked. So we need to express him. We need to enjoy him. We need to live him. We need to express him. Then we'll be clothed with him. And even our physical clothing will be something that will be godly. Mm. Ed, uh, I appreciate your word. I thought it was very properly balanced, uh, especially in this. What we hate as believers, as godly and God-fearing people, is sin. Uh, 
What we love are the sinners, and the sin could be homosexuality. It could also be adultery. Uh, And if we uh, hated all of the adulterers and all of the fornicators, as well as all of the homosexuals today, there would be no one left to love. I mean, our our society has fallen, and so we cherish each one of God's creatures, and we want them to receive redemption and receive this life and receive Christ as their clothing, both inwardly and outwardly. And Chris, that's right. We're all sinners. Yes. We're not pointing fingers here, but the point is, is we should never excuse sin. We should always identify sin. Even in our lives, we just, we should say, Lord, this is a sin. I confess this and I like to be cleansed. I like to forsake this and I like to live you and have a godly expression in my life. Well, Ed, we want to continue. As we go on in chapter 22, this matter of mixture now continues, but it's presented in another way. Uh, It says, you shall not sow your vineyard with two kinds of seed, lest the full produce, the seed which you sow, is forfeited to the sanctuary, as well as the increase of the vineyard. You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. And reminds us of a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, do not become dissimilarly, or some translations say unequally, yoked with unbelievers. Another very, very appropriate and important application for us. Let's go back to Witness Lee. An Israelite was not to sow his vineyard with two kinds of seed. This is why in the church we don't like to have different teachings. Paul prohibits this very much. To teach differently is to sow different seeds in one field. We know In typology, today, the church is God's vineyard. We should only sow one kind of seed, not two kinds, right? Now, an Israelite was not to yoke with an ox and a donkey together. What's wrong? Well, this is also a typology. Don't yoke the believers with the unbelievers. You know, according to uh, Leviticus chapter 11, an ox is a clean cattle for us to eat, to take, to contact. A donkey is dirty. It is not clean. So an ox typifies a believer. A donkey typifies an unbeliever. Don't use this together. One is clean and the other is dirty. And this also could be extended to cover very much. Don't have a marriage to yoke a believer together with an unbeliever. And I believe this could be also extended to cover the business. Uh, Two partners, one is a believer and the other is an unbeliever. It's hard, hard to be clean. So we must have a yoke of two who are the same. All oxen, all believers. Right? Be careful about this. Don't put two things different in nature into one. That is mixture. Any kind of mixture is abominable in the eyes of God. Well, add a couple of points here that have a very practical application. First, this matter of uh, the different teachings being a kind of um, mixed sowing. Uh, and then, of course, I think of the area where most Christians are familiar with this principle, it's often talked about uh, the unequal yoking and related to marriage and business. But these things can be a real source of suffering uh, to God's people, can't they? Yes, Chris. And like you said, there's these two points. First, there's a matter of different teaching. And if you look in First Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, 
Paul wanted Timothy to charge certain ones not to teach differently from what Paul called God's economy. And this Greek word economy is composed of two words, oikos and nomos. Oikos means house. Nomos means law or administration. So God's economy is his household administration to dispense himself in Christ as the Spirit with all of his riches and his chosen and redeemed people so that they could be filled with all that he is and they can become his expression in the universe as the body of Christ and consummately as the new Jerusalem. I mean, this is the teaching of the New Testament. We shouldn't teach anything else. Right. And then, Chris, the second thing is this matter of being unequally yoked with unbelievers. You mentioned 2 Corinthians 6. Chris, this is very critical for our Christian life. Um, 1 Corinthians 15.33, it says, Evil companionships corrupt good morals. So, Chris, if we're going to pursue the Lord and, you know, be encouraged to pursue the Lord, we need to have the right companions, just like you and I are companions. You know, and every time we get together, we're encouraged to pursue the Lord. But if my associations, my companionship is always with unbelievers, that will drag me down. It's not that you don't contact unbelievers. We want them to get saved. But you shouldn't make them your intimate companions. Chris D.L. Moody told a story that I really liked. Uh, this woman was considering marrying an unbeliever uh-huh. uh, one time, and um, she said, um, you know, what's wrong? I can maybe help him get saved. I can uplift him. So D.L. Moody had her stand on a chair, and he said to her, try to pull me up. Of course, she couldn't pull him up. And then he just tugged at her, and she came down from the chair. And he said to her, he said, sister, it's a lot easier to pull someone down than it is to pull someone up. Oh, boy, good story. That's a very good story. Yeah. And so, Chris, I like 2 Timothy 2.22. It tells us to flee youthful lusts and pursue Christ as righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So if we're going to flee from this, all the evils of this world and pursue Christ, we need to be with those. Mm. We need to be with some brothers and sisters who love the Lord and who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. This keeps us pure. Ed, there's a couple of other verses left in this context that we want to uh, touch in the short time we have left. Uh, Also in Deuteronomy 22, a very interesting verse. It says, if you happen to come upon a bird's nest in the way, in any tree or on the ground, and in it young birds or eggs, you shall not take the mother with the young. You must let the mother go, but the young you may take for yourself. And then, of course, a well-known verse in chapter 25, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Let's go back to Witness Lee. We have come to uh, sparing the producing animal. This is quite interesting. I like this portion. God, such a great God, he would take care of the little bird, right? When you take the young, you let the mother go. Let the mother go alive. Why? If you take the mother, you just kill the source. For such a small thing, God would give you the longevity and give you a blessing. Even to take a little bird, you could live longer. How about that? <laughs> An ox was not to be muzzled while it tried out grain. So you should not muzzle. Let it be afraid to eat. It is not fair to do the work, yet 
you shut up his mouth. You should keep the mouth open. Isn't this uh, quite interesting? God likes to keep the bird. He also likes to keep the ox. Both are producing. Right? Learn how to love the producing things. A little sister, she might be a little bird. And a little brother might be an ox used to produce something for you. So don't bother their mouth. I saw quite often uh, a number of the saints were busy in coaching for all of us in the kitchen. While they are coaching, don't bother them. Let them eat first. How about this? While they are preparing the food for you, don't bother them. Yeah, let them eat first. It's not bad. And it's fair, right? Just be fair. My goodness. We need a proper life. We need a source. We need the life itself. And we need a life that works with God for his people. You get into all the things, you know God better. And you know what kind of person you have to be. What kind of being you have to be. What kind of walk you have to take. You just take a walk according to what God is. I like this book. I feel this book is more, much more in details than the New Testament. We couldn't see all these details concerning our being, our work, before God, with God, so much in the New Testament. Hallelujah for such a book. Learn the ways, not just the doctrines. Learn the ways of what God is, how he acts, how he behaves. We must take his way. Then we will be what? We will be transformed into his image. Oh, Ed, we've only got a couple of minutes here. We see a wonderful God caring for the producing life. We also just saw a very dear brother who loved God and really loved his word, didn't we? Yeah, Chris. Of course, you and I both knew Brother Lee. I really treasure our time with him because he really loved the Bible, encouraged us to love the Bible. I love the way Brother Lee applied it to the saints. Yes. You know, there's so many brothers and sisters among us that they impart Christ as life to us, even in practical ways like cooking for us or serving in so many ways we need to take care of them and make sure they're not muzzled yeah and you know chris even uh in the new testament paul he says this in first corinthians 9 he says you shall not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain then he says is it for the oxen that god cares then he says in verse 14 so also the lord directed those who announce the gospel to live from the gospel Mm. so paul in this chapter was saying that yeah if there's some brothers among you who are serving you with the word of God and ministering the word of God to you, you should supply them materially even so that they can have a proper living and so that they can make this their full-time chore just to get into the word and supply you with the word. And in the same way, you shouldn't muzzle them. Right. You should take care of them materially. This is very scriptural. They're, they're really the mother birds, aren't they? They're the they? mother birds. <laughs> the producing life. And we've got some big mother birds in the body that we need to take care of. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, we had one here with us for uh, 70 years uh, serving and really treading the grain, wasn't he? Yeah, we, we really did, Chris. And I'm so uh, thankful. He perfected so many of us to be people who tread the grain, right? and care for the brothers and sisters to make sure they enjoy the Lord as their life supply. Well, Ed, I promised you we'd have an enjoyable and sweet time in this fellowship today, so I hope that uh, we were able to keep our promise and you'll come back as soon as you're able. 
Yeah, Chris, I really uh, love this fellowship we have together, and I'm looking forward to the next time. Well, we are out of time. We would like to leave you with our toll-free number, and uh, we really hope that you'll take the time to call us and uh, tell us of your experience, your enjoyment uh, with these same portions. This has really been a wonderful life study. The toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Ed Marks today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.